Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. From last week, uh, my heart is just so full as we celebrated last week, and our team did a fabulous job. If you're on our e-news, weekly news that we send out, we kind of highlighted just some of the people that were involved in that, and uh, we're super, super grateful. They did an amazing job. The food was, wasn't the food amazing if you were here last week? The spread was just was just fabulous, and uh, the atmosphere, and it just reminded us how God is faithful, and, uh, and also reminded me that we need, to, we need to learn to celebrate more often, right? Um, Steph, you helped us celebrate great with your, with your hosting, and, and uh, just, to, yeah, it's so wonderful to do that. So, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful today to introduce a guest, uh, Kenzo uh, Mabiala. Now, do you, I know your first name is Mabiala, your second name is Kenzo, but I think you switched it on us. I don't know when you switched this, this order. So we just like calling him Kenzo because yeah, it's if, super if, yeah, easy. It's, and that's probably why you made the switch. No. no. It's more complex oh, there's than more that. complex yeah, than that. Okay, yeah. sorry for the assumption. I should not have assumed. Um, so, Kenzo, this is the third time he's joined us, and uh, he ministers here in Quebec, uh, has been in, involved in Canadian ministry for a long time, but comes all the way from Africa in his earlier days. And so, we're so grateful, Kenzo, to have you here and to share with us today. God bless you. Thanks for joining our community today. Thank you. Again, thank you for inviting me. Uh, so it is a joy to come here. Thank you for the time of worship we just had. It's fantastic. And coming back here, I see that uh, the church is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, congratulations. And again, congratulations for your uh, anniversary. Uh, that's great. God has been doing something unique here. You can tell. Now, for my message today, I have to say that... Um, It's one of those messages that are very personal, and it has indeed a prehistory. It goes back to my childhood. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, fourth generation, family of ministers surrounded by great people of faith, and quickly I realized that there was a big difference between my own journey and those around me. I've always admired people who sail in the faith. They do not seem to have any problem. So they go from high to height, and they excel, no temptation, nothing, nothing, everything goes well, and a good dose of prosperity gospel. I've always admired them. Mine has been, I have to confess, a laborious walk. That even to pray or to read my Bible, sometimes I have to drag myself out of my bed and say, Lord, please help me to pray to you. Lord, I'm not getting anything from this reading. Open my eyes as we sang that I may see you. Has always been this way again and again. Some kind of relief came from my reading of the story of Abraham. Because the story of Abraham is a story of 
an ordinary man, an ordinary guy who was a worshiper of other gods, of idols, a slave owner who fathered a child with his wife's maid, lied twice, saying that his wife was his sister in order to save his skin and was even ready to kill in order to please God. Yet, yet, his was a journey of faith. And it stands out as a journey of faith because Abraham chose to turn his story into God's story. Or rather, God chose to turn Abraham's story into God's story. So before we turn to uh, Abraham's story, let's take a short moment in prayer. Father, here we come, expecting to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Silence any other voice in us but yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as you turn to Abraham's story, generally we start with chapter 12 in Genesis. But according to Scripture, in reality, the story of Abraham does not start in chapter 12. It rather starts in chapter 11, from 20, verse 27 to 32. And in chapter 11... In reality, in that beginning of Abraham's story, it's not even the story of Abraham. But it is, or it was, the story of Terah, Abraham's father. As, 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 as Scripture makes it clear, verse 32 says, this is the account or the story of Terah's family line. So it's not even Abram's story. And we are told the story of Terah, how Terah lived in Ur in the, of the Chaldeans from the other side of the Euphrates River. And he decided from his hometown of Ur to leave and go all the way to Canaan. No reason is given. Just he decides to leave. And he takes with him his son Abraham, and the son of his other son, Lot, and Abraham's wife, they leave. And scripture tells us that once they got, not in Canaan, but when they got to Haram, Terah stayed there. He did not continue his journey with his whole family. And there, Scripture tells us, Terah dies. That's the story, the beginning of the story of Abraham. But there's something unique here. This story, as we can read it, is as any other story 
This story of Terah here is like any other story. It's a human story. And this story starts quite earlier. When you start already in chapter 5, you start having these stories, the beginnings. And these stories are marked by one thing that is quite unique. Some of them, they read like being boring. So and so, father, so and so, and so and so, father, so and so. It's a lot of story of begetting and a lot of children. So that's where it fits. Terror story is not different. It's a story of natural human begetting, having children. And another thing in the story of terror, it's a human story. It's a story that is tragic, death-stricken. If we go back to the story, you would see that there is a connection that Scripture seems to make between Abraham's leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and what happened in his family. We are told that Terah's uh, other son, who is named also Haran, not the city but the person, dies before his father. Now, the translation here is tricky because it can be translated that he died before his father died. This is normal, um, one of the reading, normal readings. And that should be tragic enough at a time when people lived long lives to have your son die before you. It was a tragedy. And I remember, again, um, our son who was born in Regina, we decided to go back home. We took, him home. we took him home, and he got ill, malaria, very ill. So we were in one hospital. We had to rush him to another hospital. And I remember clearly, as we were getting out of the car to walk into the hospital, I had him on my shoulder, and I could see his head fall down. I didn't want to look. I was sure my son is gone. And what, what I felt that day is like something was ripping my insides. Losing a child is tragic. And Haran died before his father. The other translation, which could be even more tragic, that Haran died before, meaning in the presence at the sight of his father. So it could have been an, an accident, and his father is watching as his son is dying. Tragedy. And he leaves Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But it's not, it doesn't uh, uh, end there. It also is a tragic story because here we are told in verse 30 that now Sarai, they just introduced her as being part of the team that, uh, that left. And we are told now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Now, put this in the context of the story as we told it. A story of begetting. The future of 
the universe, the future of the family lies in someone having children and that children having other children. And here it stops. Sarai can't bear children. It's tragedy. And yet, this story that is so human story is such a human story. It's such a normal story, such a natural story, such a tragic story as it is in natural things, is also a story of God. How so? In Scripture, twice God takes this part of the story, the story of terror, the story of Abraham through terror before his call in chapter 12 as being part of his story as well. We read it in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. Scripture says, it's God who's speaking here. I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So even when Terah was deciding to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, it's God who was behind it. He didn't say a word. He didn't show himself up. But he was behind the story. He was behind the decision. He was behind the move. And once again in Joshua, chapter 24, verse 2 and, four, uh, two and 3, we read, Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates, uh, the Euphrates uh, River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. So God owns that part of the story. So it's no wonder then that in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is giving his testimony or his preaching or this long speech that we have, he says too, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. So here, Stephen is saying that even if it's not explicit in the narrative as we know it, actually God was speaking in the hearts of these people. God was calling already Abraham. Brothers and sisters, God is at work in our lives even when we don't know it. God is already at work in our lives even when we don't realize it. I don't know where you are in your journey of faith. Maybe you're just still seeking and you don't know what to do. But I want to tell you this morning with all boldness 
that you being here even this morning or last Sunday or however long we have been here, it's God who is leading you. And there will be a time, and I can hardly wait, when God will tell you, when you were doing this, remember when you were doing this? I was with you. I was leading you paths. I was leading you steps. It's a story of God. But that's not it. When they got in Haran, and another tragedy hits, this time it's the father. It's Terah who dies. And shortly after, God appears to Abraham. But let me open a little parenthesis here. I don't know, but this seems to be in Scripture that God has a soft heart for our tragedies. That when things go wrong, God seems to use those moments to speak to us, to reveal himself to us, or to do something. I think it was C.S. Lewis uh, who said that when we are in joy, God whispers in our ears. Uh, but when we are in, in tragedy or in, in difficult, or in, in, yeah, in difficult, God yells at us. So God speaks to Abraham. So this is a new beginning. And we know the story. This is the story of chapter 12. And let's read it. I don't know if I'm not, I can check, so hopefully we have the same version, otherwise we may just follow. (laughs) The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you, you, uh, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham, sorry, Abraham, I've been saying Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He told his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and uh, the people they had acquired in uh, Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled throughout the land as far as the site of the great tree, the great tree of Moreh at Sheshem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offsprings, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on, on, on the east. There, he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. Now, one thing that is true, even as God is already active in our lives without us knowing it, he's seeking one thing. He's seeking for a relationship. 
So what is covert has to become overt. What is like hidden has to become open. And the only way we can enter into that relationship with God is that we respond to God. And here, God comes to Abraham, or Abraham at the time before the name was changed, but let me just say Abraham. We understand that name will change later. And God is doing something amazing here in this text that we just read because God is at the same time inviting. God is promising. God is blessing. God is inviting here. He's telling Abraham, go from your country. And again here, uh, a better translation here should bring back something that is lost in translation. Because the way it is written in the original language, as a matter of fact, it says literally, go for yourself. Go for yourself. So here, whenever God is giving an order to us, it's never an order for, for nothing. It's always for our benefit. God is telling Abraham, go for your benefit. Go for yourself. Go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land I will show you. That's the invitation, not just an order. It's really an invitation for yourself, do this. For your benefit, do this. And he says, entering into promises and all that, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. God is making an offer. God is making an offer for us, for our benefit. And the beautiful thing in the story is that Abraham responds. In the most remarkable way, very simply stated, Scripture says, And Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Abraham, verse 4, Abraham went as the Lord has told him. So Abraham obeys. He does not only obey, but the measure or the measurement of this obedience is not the effort that he's putting into responding. It's not the sacrifices that he's putting into responding. Because what God is asking him to do here is not quite simple. When I preach these things in Africa, I elaborate the meaning when he says that, uh, go from you people. What does it mean? Go from you household Basically, he's saying, go from your tribe, go from your clan. And for us in Africa, when they tell you to leave, you, you're lost. 
this way. But the measurement for Abraham is not the effort he's putting into this. The measurement is God, as God had told him. Oh, Lord, please help me. When I obey, is God really the measurement? Or someone else, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers? Oh, I'm doing more than my brother. And Abraham went as the Lord had told him. A journey of faith is not only a journey of promises. It's also a journey of obedience. A journey of obedience. And many times, the obedience that God is asking us is radical obedience where he and he alone is the measurement. There's a story that the Danish philosopher, 19th century, Kierkegaard tells. He was from Denmark, and uh, he tells that when he was a child, or he was younger, he used to, uh, they had a, he had a routine with his father, or the, his father had a routine with him, that every evening after supper, they would go for a walk. And they would go for a walk you know, uh, on, on, at the beach seaside. And one day, they, they were late for the walk. And it was getting dark, but they still went for the walk. And then before they finished the walk, it became really dark. They couldn't see anything. So they took a shortcut. And by taking a shortcut, they found, they found themselves in front of a ravine, big ravine. And Kierkegaard said, in the dark, his father went down. Kierkegaard knows how to write, so there's a suspense there. Is he dead or is he still alive? And he said, from the ditch, he yelled up at me and said, son, jump, I'll catch you. And Kierkegaard says that everything, every fiber of his body says, said, no, you're going to die. There's no way he can see you. There's no way he's going to catch you. But he says, Yet, because it was my father's voice, I jumped. And sure enough, seconds later, he found himself in his, the strong arms of his father. Now, this is not a leap into the unknown. This is not a leap into the void. This is an obedience to the Father's voice. As Kierkegaard said, there's no way you could have jumped in if it were not the Father's voice. But because it is the Father's voice, he knew his Father, he trusted his Father, he obeyed. And he said, in fear and trembling, Brothers and sisters, Abraham's walk of faith was a walk full of promises, that for sure. But it was also a life or a walk of obedience. He obeyed. And what happened next? After Abraham obeyed, we are told that Abraham, 
traveled, explored. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the whole land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Sheshem. So he traveled, so he explored the land. So if you picture it, so he explored the land all the way to the east, the eastern borders. And there he found himself at a place called uh, a great, uh, near a tree of, of Moreh at a place called Sheshem. Now, this tree of Moreh, the word Moreh, translates a tree of oracles. It means that this is a place where Canaanites came and heard a word, oracles from the gods. In other words, it was a worshiping place for idols. It was a mekom, that's the technical term that is used. And what did Abraham do when he got there? And Abraham built an altar there to the Lord. What is he doing here? What, what's happening here? So he goes into this hostile land, into this most hostile place, and he takes it over for God. It's a conquest. So a journey of faith is not only a journey of promises. It's not only a journey uh, of obedience, but it's also a journey of conquest. So you would think that Abraham now gets into Canaan, everything is settled, he got into the promised land, so now the honey and the milk will start to flow. No. The journey stop there. He has to conquer. And what is interesting here is that he takes this place that was a place where they worshipped other gods, and he builds an altar to Yahweh, to the God of Israel, in, as a gesture of saying, from now on, for now on, God, the living God, Yahweh, is the Lord of this place. And he doesn't stop there. He is doing exactly the same in the same text that we read in verse 8. He goes all the way to Bethel, now to the east, to Bethel. Now, Bethel here is not the Bethel of Jacob. This is the Bethel of Canaanites. And scripture already said, and the Canaanites were still living in the land at the time. So it's still a land of the Canaanites. So when they call it Bethel, it means house of God for the Canaanites. So he goes there and again he pitches tent and again he builds an altar. So saying from now on, the God of this place is Yahweh, the God of Israel. He's conquering. And it does not stop there. He goes to Hebron. So uh, verse uh, 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 chapter 13. And that is, you know, becomes uh, the, the tree of Mamre. That's the, that becomes the, the, the principal dwelling place of Abraham. And again, he conquers it, and he builds an altar. It becomes the, the, the principal uh, dwelling place. That's where he's visited by angels and so forth. So he's conquering. And then the next one is Beersheba. It's another long story. 
This time, the, the kind of altar he built is a tree that he built in memory of God because Beersheba was a desert. That God also is in the desert. God is also here. Very green altar here. And then the ultimate altar that he will build is Moriah, where God invites him to sacrifice his son. So, what are we saying here? When we examine the life of Abraham, we realize that our journey of faith begins even when we may not realize it. A journey of faith is indeed a journey of an ord any ordinary person who is willing to turn his life into, or his life story into God's story, or rather, who is allowing God to turn his life story into God's story. God is in the business of turning ordinary human lives, ordinary human stories like mine, into extraordinary God's stories. The tricky part is that God always is seeking for an active relationship It means that when God steps into our story, He does not only takes over. He does not only take over. He also requires a response, and our response to Him is a response of obedience, not once, but again and again. He also requires that once we have obeyed that we also conquer places, high places, sometimes in our own lives, where we have to say, this aspect of my life I'm yielding to you. Take over. From now on, you are Lord of this aspect of my life. In our families, around us, where we need to crown him Lord of Lord, not once, but again. And again. This is Abraham's story. It was a journey of faith, and it can be my story today. It can be yours too. All it takes is a leap of faith. Not into the unknown, but into the strong arms of our Heavenly Father. I'm going to invite Dave to come to close us. Hey, let's take a moment. Thank you so much, Kenzo, for speaking, for sharing. Often we'll say here, and you've heard me say this, the simplest uh, description of a Christian is um, Jesus is Lord. Simple, three words. 
And um, we often say, what is worship? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? That's the simplest three words we can say. Jesus is Lord. And uh, thinking about Abraham's life uh, reminds us that. And I loved, just uh, so appreciated how he made this connection. We're not, we don't exist today um, to necessarily conquer City Hall or Mount Royal, but we're saying, Jesus, would you lead our lives? We, we, sir, we surrender to you, to the Lordship of Jesus. So I'm going to just give you a moment today, just as we respond to this. Maybe you've been um, tracking with us for a little bit. Maybe you've been exploring in our Alpha um, workshops on Wednesdays. Maybe you've been exploring faith with us. And here today is this invitation to allow God to lead your life. This um, sense of promise, obedience, and then surrender to his lordship. So I'm just going to give you a moment this morning to reflect on that. Do you long, do you hear this invitation from God to follow his son Jesus? Do you hear the promises? Do you hear the invitation of trust and obedience? Do you hear the invitation to be loyal and allegiant to him so he can lead and guide your life, his lordship. In a sense, allowing God to conquer all these little aspects of our lives. Maybe even as we're praying right now, God's bringing to your attention an aspect of your life. Maybe it's your relationships, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your place of work. Maybe it's the rub between God's kingdom and the cultures of our world. So I just invite you to just be present before the Lord in this moment, to invite him into those spots of your life. Maybe it's even in a recent tragic moment where you're wondering if God is distant. And yet even in these moments of tragedy, God reminds us that he stands with us, that he's with us, that he wants to be present with us. God, we're so grateful for your story. We're grateful for how we got a glimpse of even the beginning part of this story in the early pages of Genesis. How in the, in the mess and sometimes chaos and brokenness of our world, you had this plan and you reached out to Abraham initially through his father and the movement of his family. Just beginning with one person to build a group of people that would be a light to the nations and the world. And even in their brokenness, God, their imperfection, the fulfillment of your son Jesus being the true fulfillment of that light. God, we're so grateful for this story, this story of restoration, this story of your restoration project for humanity. And God, we recognize, many of us here, 
who have come to know you and have been following you, even in imperfect ways, we recognize that you are Lord and you are restoring us. And I just bring before you, God, anyone in this place today that is longing, longing to benefit from this restoration project that is called your kingdom and the good news of your kingdom. God, may they hear this invitation today and see the beauty of it so that a trust in you, a surrender to you and to your lordship would be joyful and good and hopeful. And so we, um, yeah, we just, we welcome your story to transform our stories. And for any of us making that step today, God, um, God, I pray you just reveal yourself in these moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.